I would think. Um, the roles are similar. I don't know if I'm the first guy off the bench or, you know, the fourth guy off the bench. Just probably depending on however his wants to go. But I just think, you know, he wants me to be an aggressive scorer off the bench, an aggressive playmaker, and not just scoring, making plays and whatever the game calls for. But I'm sure I have a similar role as I've had, you know, the last seven, eight years. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We will do our best to continue to make this a September to remember for the Scoop Podcast. Hello, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 94. It is Darren Doogie Wolfson coming to you on Tuesday, late afternoon, the 5th of September. The last couple weeks we've combined or at least actually separated the two podcasts from interviews to news and notes this week we're keeping everything together mostly because of my personal schedule just being pulled in multiple directions so i don't have time later in the week to do a news and notes i have enough news and notes to fill up enough of a podcast this week plus we have brent flair from the wild we'll have joe nathan the former twin who retired a twin late last week we'll catch up briefly with justin morneau possibly another surprise guest so we'll fill this podcast up with plenty of information plus plenty of conversations and i will tell you at least some of the players the timberwolves are working out this week the wolves working out some free agents this week at Mayo Clinic Square. But we'll start with Brent Flair. Before we get to Brent Flair, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, at least one of the sponsors, the title sponsor, the main sponsor, is Vine Park Brewery. Vinepark.com. Vine Park Brewery is right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul, between downtown St. Paul and 35E, closer to 35E. Right now, Vine Park is offering $7 tours of their brewery. That includes a free flight or a pint plus Heggie's Pizza. So see how they make their beers, their wines, their root beer. Then you get a free flight or a pint plus Heggie's Pizza, all for $7. That is one heck of a value. By the way, Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. From pale ales to IPAs to brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box and wheats, They have the right recipe for you. Check out Vine Park Brewery. Again, vinepark.com or the phone number 651-228-1355. Now let's get to Brent Flair, the Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations for the Wild. He is second in command in the front office. The Wild start training camp in a short amount of time. Brent, I suppose there's never really such a thing as a downtime, but I suppose this is now when it ramps up, right? I mean, you have one more contract to do, but next thing you know, I mean, it'll be September 15th. You guys will be on the ice. It'll be training camp. It's a fun time of the year right now. Yeah, it is. It's a little calm before the storm, but yeah, a couple days from now, we'll be uh, right into it, and and, then time goes fast, so... Usually, like the first couple of days of camp, and then you're itching for uh, for the real thing and regular season to come. So, but it's uh, yeah, it's always a fun time of year. I mean, I suppose a lot of your guys have been on the ice for a number of weeks. It's not like you use training camp to get into shape. You better be in big time shape when training camp starts. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's changed over the years, and uh, obviously with the well shorter camps now, but just with the I mean, with the money in the game and the just the knowledge that these players have of training and nutrition and uh, how to take care of themselves and how competitive it is to play in the league. Uh, you know, these guys uh, are top athletes and they come in shape. So, yeah, they, they usually uh, usually just getting up to speed and it's usually the pace of the game. You know, you're scrimmaging and you're skating and doing all the things, but it's not at NHL speed. So that's the one thing that takes a little more time. But, um, but you know, you, these guys uh, come in shape, that's for sure. Because of the NHL speed, do you like it that you guys, I mean, what is it? Like after two or three days, you guys play your first preseason game that, that there's not a lot of practice time, you get right into games? Yeah, I think, well, I think the coaches like that. I just think they, you know, get a couple of days of practice and systems and uh, then they like to apply it and use it in game type situations. And it's a teaching tool and it's also a time to get some of the younger players in a uh, in a game or two before we have to send them back to their junior teams or whatnot. So but you know we, you know, I think the coaches like to use the, you know, the exhibition games as a teaching tool, and you know, just, just you know, as you do these things in practice, you're able to apply them in a game situation and and learn from it. So it's just, a, like I said, a teaching tool. From your standpoint, Brent, how much more do you need to do before training camp starts? What is keeping you busy right now? Uh, just you know, we met with the coaches this morning and just going over training camp uh, lineups and potential game lineups for the first four games, and obviously things will change and. Uh, especially the number of the guys up in Traverse City and how they perform will dictate how many 
games they play or if they play a game. And um, but you know we have some competition. We have some new players up top, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll need certain guys to play more. And usually the bigger bodies need to play a few more games and just to get up to speed. But you know, it'll be an interesting camp. We got a number of new guys, and obviously Erickson Eck has another year under him. We got Luke Cunning that's coming in, and you know anxious to show well for himself. And, Carson Susie's and you know Sealer's a year older and a little more experienced. And so yeah, it should be uh, be an interesting camp. And all those guys you just named, they'll play in Traverse City here later this week. Uh yeah, Nick Sealer's too old. Uh, Susie will be there okay. though, and Cunning and, and Eric Snack, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it'll be fun fun tournament for us. What are you hoping to see there from those guys? Uh first of all, it's you know it's it's a great tournament, Detroit, uh, and. The, City of Traverse City do a terrific job organizing it, and for us it's turnkey, and you show up. Uh, it is a little sloppy. We play, we have our uh, physicals, and uh, basically have a half practice, and you go up there and you have morning skate play uh, four games in five days. So it's uh, there's not a lot of time to, to plan or practice together or get a get a lot of familiarity. But uh, it's it's a high intensity uh, hockey, and uh, guys come together quickly. You can see who who. Uh, can handle those situations. Obviously, it's a benefit of being a little older and playing in, in uh, these things before, but it's a great uh, test for some of the young guys to come in and compete against the other t- organization's top players. And uh, For us, it's, uh, you know, for a player like Eric Sinek, it's just a good good uh, series of games to, to come in and, and get to their where they need to be in order to compete uh, against the NHL guys the, next, the following week. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously great for us. Uh, as, as scouts and whatnot to evaluate the other teams and prospects and where they're at in their development, but most importantly, our, our own team. On Cunning, I mean, if he performs well, performs well in training camp, is there a chance that he starts on the on the big roster? Yeah. No, it's like I said, we have a, a couple spots that are, aren't spoken for yet, and he's the type of guy that's, you know, he's going to be in great shape, and he is certainly a kid that's coming in here and trying to show for, well for himself, and he's, his goal is to be here day one. How many spots are open? I mean, are we talking one forward, two forwards, one defenseman? How many spots are open right now? Oh, there's a couple, couple spots up front, and you know, a couple spots in the back end. So, don't you know? I think our coaches are are open to a lot of different looks, and but yeah, it's obviously a lot of it's based on performance, and when a couple, couple of young guys are ready, or what's best for their development. So whether it's uh, you know half year in the minors, or they need time, or whatever, that's great. But if someone's going to ready to play and have an important role, and uh, have a positive impact on our team, then we'll we'll make that decision. But on Erickson Eck, I mean, is he pretty much a roster lock? No, yes, they're in his spot. Okay. I, you know, he comes in here, he understands that. He's just a young kid, but obviously he has his, you know, I think he has an edge on the other guys just because of the way he performed last year. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's like any other young player, whatever's best for his development long-term, we'll, we'll make that decision. But, um, you know, I just the way knowing the kid and knowing his drive and character, I think there's, uh, he, he's got a pretty good chance. And then on defense, Mike Riley, Gustav Olofsson, do they have the edge on the other guys? Yeah, well, I think uh, you know Oli and both those guys have had experience at the pro level and they're ready, but we've also got Ryan Murphy, who's a former first-round pick in Carolina, a uh, talented offensive guy, and Carson Soucy coming out of college is a very mature kid and uh, he's a big body, and you know, he, you know whether he needs time, or how much time he needs below, time will tell, but and Nick Sealer is probably your most important improved player in Iowa last year so that'll be interesting but yeah and we got uh, Kyle Quincy as a veteran guy that give us some depth and insurance to work with some young players but yeah it'll be interesting uh, that group of defensemen to see where they are in camp and and uh, uh, where they are at the end and who makes it. Will you sign some more guys to trial contracts like you did with Ryan Malone? Uh, we've talked about maybe adding a player here or there um, just to fill camp rosters and maybe you know just give protection if you know for depth or uh, you know, maybe a couple of young guys aren't ready, but it's still still uh, something we've talked about even this morning. But um, I don't. Know, I would say it's fifty fifty at this point. On Malone, is there a chance that he can stick, or is he just? Yeah, I saw him actually. Yeah, with... I saw him this morning. Okay. But, uh, uh, he's in very good shape, and uh, yeah, he's really excited about the opportunity. Obviously, you know, I think the Olympics really piqued his interest and started training hard, and he's been skating with their guys and. I saw him there this morning, and he's lean and he's in good shape. So he's he's excited about the opportunity. But you know, again, he's he's got it's had a good career, but he's you know he's he's a little older in his career. And but again, we'll see where he's at, and 
how he can compete against the big guys when, when the time comes. I mean, that was the flip side, where I just wonder if he's coming to camp, he gets good competition, but his main goal is to be on the on the Olympic team. It well, doesn't necessarily it, have the eye on the prize, or maybe you guys don't have. In the NHL, if that's yeah. an opportunity, but obviously it's a, a fallback and a, a thing that would be cool if the NHL wasn't in his in his card. So yeah, to play in the Olympics for anybody is a you know it's a pretty cool thing. So, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's, he's a he's a good player. And obviously, Chuck has a good relationship from, with him and uh, from from back in the day. And obviously, he skates with our guys here regularly and a, a pretty popular guy amongst the group. So yeah, we'll see how it works out. Year two under Bruce Boudreau, how much of a difference can that make where guys are obviously familiar with everything that he'll throw at them? Yeah, I think the, you know the first week or two of camp and even the first, uh, I would say, 15 games of the season, it should be a, a lot easier transition. Obviously, uh, they get to know him, his personality and systems and, and the coaching. And he obviously, he at the same time, he has the familiarity with them. And uh, it just makes it a lot smoother transition out of camp and a lot of the drills are the same and the systems are the same, so it uh, just makes it a lot easier for them. On Felino, on Marcus Felino, where are contract negotiations at right now? I believe Shep's talking to his, his people here today, and uh, I don't know, still nine days left until uh, camp, so I, I would imagine it's going to get done and uh, just uh, you know, just part of the process. I mean, is it even a negotiation? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> They're all in negotiations, so. I mean, what... What is his side saying? Okay, we need this, and where are you not necessarily willing to budge? Uh, we've talked a bunch of a bunch of different scenarios in term and and dollars. So it's just uh, whatever makes sense. We'll hopefully meet in the middle at some point here, but it just uh, takes time. He's been injured over the course of his career. I mean, is there anything you can do? Actually, both the guys you got from Buffalo, Ennis and Felino, is there anything you guys can do or have looked at, you know, from an injury prevention standpoint to make sure these guys play seventy five plus games? Yeah, well, you know, the last couple of years, he's he's played 80 last year and I think 75 or whatever the year before. So he's he's a big body. He's in shape. Uh, Ennis had a, um, a couple of years ago a concussion and he had double abdominal surgery, uh, which takes time. And, uh, you know, so that was over a year ago and he's uh, he's fully recovered and training with Spurgey. So, uh, you know, that's a for a hockey player, that's a tough injury and takes time to recover and, and to be able to be in shape and train properly, let alone uh, play at a high level. So. But he's healthy now, and we're excited to see where he's at. Take us through the inner workings of how you convinced Matt Cullen to play another year. Um, I think, you know, he's one of those guys we, we talked about, and, you know, when we, he became available, decided that he wanted to play. And I think uh, his people, uh, you know, let us know that if he does play, that, you know, we'd be uh, one, of the, uh, one of the spots that, you know, he, he'd really strongly consider just because of the, where he's from and his family and, and uh, would like to be in Minnesota, and he's going to retire here. So, uh, obviously, we we know him as a as a player. We know him as a person. We've had him here before, and uh, so there's that comfort level. And um, obviously, he's, he knows all most of our players still, and has good relationships with them. And he still has his house here. So, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels for him uh, and his family. And obviously, coming off uh, a couple Stanley Cups makes you know makes a lot of sense for us with some of our young players coming in and. Gives us depth, gets us, uh, gives us a real veteran presence there to help some of our younger forwards that we're going to have coming in here uh, this year and next, and and uh, obviously, hopefully, uh, we can go along in the playoffs. And he can still play. I mean, you can mention the two Stanley Cups all you want. I mean, certainly he'll help out in the locker room. But on the ice, he still played at a pretty high level the last couple of years, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, no, he had uh, he had a great playoffs, and obviously, is he's a tremendous skater, and uh, you know, he hasn't lost that, and really takes care of himself. So. But uh, obviously he doesn't play as, as many minutes as he did when he was in his 20s, but uh, he's a very serviceable player. He can play and take big face-offs and still kill penalties and play, you know, move up and down your lineup and uh, just be a very reliable veteran. So, um, you know, for, for holes that we had, uh, just made a lot of sense for both parties. Is he a top-nine guy, at least to start for you guys? He can be, but like I said, the, those lines and everything, are they'll play themselves out. Well, it depends who, who where, but we... We think we have good depth through our top four lines, and that's our, probably our strength of our team. And um, you know, if he's a fourth line center, then we're we're a pretty good team. As you look back on last year, Brent, what areas do you say? Okay, I know this year that we can be better in this area, in that area. I know that we'll be better here, or there. Oh uh, yeah, last year was a tough year just because we we had such a good uh, regular season and exactly uh, yeah. the slough in, and then yeah, you you end a uh, you know your season's only as good as your playoffs and. When you lose that uh, quick day, that really stung. But you know, part of it's being healthy at the right times, and 
And uh, but you know what? I, I think you know our, our, our guys. We have a really good group, a good good group of people, and a good group of players. I think having guys stepping up, and you know, you know, we still have some young guys, Niederreiter, Zuckers. These guys are young guys that are. I think we we still can get better. We saw Granlin had took a big step last year. And, mm-hmm the coils and now you're going to see X and you know, the next wave of young players come in. So I think we think we're, we're at some good depth on defense. We have Dubnik and net, which, you know, he gives us a chance every night. So, you know, we, we think we're as good as anybody. We just got to make sure, uh, you know, when the time comes, we're going at all, going on all cylinders and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to have to go for a lot longer run. Unfortunately, only one team can win it all every year. And we sort of try to make sure it's us one year. How does the competition Brent stack up for the backup goalie spot? I mean, is it Alex Stalock's to lose? I would say so now, but obviously Svedberg's played in the league before. He's had um, success over in Europe in the KHL, and um, you know it's going to be a competition between nothing's given. Uh, obviously, Dubnik's pretty secure, but Alex is a guy that's uh, played a number of years in the NHL already. He's a real high energy guy, and he came to Iowa last year to earn a job this year, and uh, he played great. So he's a he's a good teammate. Uh, Guys really like him, but at the same time, Svedberg's coming in here to, to battle for his position. So we'll see how that plays out, but uh, obviously Alex is a, is a popular guy, and uh, he's deserved the opportunity if, if it works out here. I'll leave you with this, Brent. How about some thoughts on the late Brian Murray? I know somebody that was very close to you. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, yeah, it was a tough summer. He's, he was a great man um, you know, to a lot of people. If you look onto all the other people in the league, whether it's coaches or scouts and management that have worked under him, um, and learn from him. Um, he was a great man, not only as a as a person, but and a friend, but uh, just a teacher. Uh, he's he's a great guy, and uh, he's a mentor for Chuck and I, and uh, obviously a lot of executives and and uh, head coaches around the league. So uh, he's a guy you know we'll certainly miss, and I'll miss talking to him on the phone and uh, seeing him uh, you know a number of times a year, but. Yeah, it was, it was a tough, uh, tough battle with cancer, but he fought uh, long and hard there, and uh, you know left us too soon. So hopefully, he's brought some awareness to uh, you know the cancer and, and uh, colonoscopies at, at uh, the proper age. And I think he's probably uh, hopefully saved a few lives and just bringing it up to, to the public as well. I mean, are you Brent? Are you in the position you are in? You know, as a senior VP of operations, second in command in a front office, without the influence of Murray. I doubt it. No, he, he gave a lot of us opportunities, and um, right from when I first stepped, uh, you know, day one, he's a guy that included you in everything, and he didn't want you to just, um, you know, show up and you know punch in and punch out. He wanted you to to really learn, and uh, he challenged you every day, and asked for your opinions, and you know, he wanted you to grow, and and you know, he, he really uh, challenged you. So it was, he was an awesome guy to work for. And back in those days, your hockey ops departments were a lot smaller, so. Uh, you know, he had a lot of hands-on stuff right away and um, just a, a great guy to work for and learn from. Brent, thank you as always. We'll be in touch. We'll certainly see you at the rink in the very near future. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Brent Flair, Wild Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations. He's second in command in the Wild front office right behind Chuck Fletcher. The Wild, by the way, start training camp September 15th. September 14th is media day. Look for an open practice. I don't think the Wild have announced this yet, so maybe it's a little bit of a scoop. Look for the Wild to have an open practice on Saturday, the 16th of September. That's also when single-game tickets go on sale. Ad-libbing on the fly, Jamal Crawford can join us. We'll get to Jamal now, plus Thad Levine can join us after Wednesday's Twins-Rays game. So we'll actually tape this podcast over the course of two days, but still keep it one episode, episode 94 for this week. But right now, let's get to Jamal Crawford, catch up with a good friend of the podcast. Jamal, always appreciate your time. You're always generous with your time, especially for this podcast. Before we get to basketball, Hurricane Harvey, I mean, you have, I know you well enough, you have this enormous heart. When when you saw all the destruction in Texas, specifically the Houston area, did you just say, okay, I need to raise money, I need to do something to help those people? Absolutely. And it's one thing to actually say that and know that you want to do that. But then when you see the images and see the people and you see uh, what they're going through, your heart just goes out to them. And it really, really is. It puts everything in perspective. It lets you know how blessed you are, you know, not to be in that situation. But also, it's a blessing to be able to bless others, you know. So with that, you know, I think it's all our responsibility just being, you know, human to be able to look out for your fellow man or woman. And, uh, you know, I thought we try to do that, and I think a lot of people try to do that, and that makes the burden, even though they're dealing with it, it makes it a little bit easier. 
Was it mom? Was it dad? Was it some former coach? Who who instilled that in you? I mean, you just did what a uh, some sort of school backpack giveaway in the Seattle area. I mean, every time I'm checking your Twitter feed, Jamal, you're doing something to give back. Who who instilled that in you? Well, I think honestly, I think it was my grandparents and my parents. They they all were really consistent with that message, and uh, I think it was just in me. To be honest with you, even before I had much to give, I would give what I had, you know, and I always. I don't know, always was the same way. And I remember when I went to the NBA, my sister told me, she was like, uh, you know, you become a bigger version of what you already were. So if you were somebody who was, uh, you know, kind of mean to people or, you know, you may be more mean because you have more, more money and things of that nature. But if you're nice, you can be even more nice because you can help more people and you can do more things in a positive way. So that always stuck with me. But I, I was just, I think just my parents and grandparents and just who I am naturally. I mean, it's things we have to talk about it, but this Hurricane Irma looks like it may hit Florida, Miami specifically directly this weekend. I mean, who knows what sort of destruction we'll have in Florida in the coming days. I mean, you're going to have to do another one of these benefits pretty quick here. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind at all. We just, uh, we we gathered, you know, a bunch of stuff this past weekend. And a lot of people sometimes don't have the, the means just to, to send money. So we said, you know what, don't bring any money. Just bring toothbrushes, uh, toothpaste, blankets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vaseline, anything you can that's not open that these people can use, uh, we'll bring it. And we actually filled up three trucks, three semi-trucks, and shipped them out to Texas, and they'll actually be there on Thursday. I think they're going to Port Arthur, Texas, actually. Uh, they, they really got hit hard. I know Steven Jackson was a teammate of mine a couple of times from there. And if you go to his, his Instagram, his mom actually was sitting somewhere where, you know, the, the place was half full of water. She's just sitting in it. You know, it, it just broke his heart. And, you know, so we're sending three trucks there uh, straight to him. And uh, if Hurricane Irma hits, and, you know, we hope it doesn't. But if, if it does, we'll be right there, you know, one to lend a hand as, as well. I told you I would only steal you for 10 or 15 minutes, so no easy segue, but let's talk some hoops. I mean, the calendar flips to September. I mean, next thing you know, it'll be training camp. Not that you're not working hard July, August, but does it ramp up now that we're in the month of September? It definitely does. I always look at it for, for me. It's, I look at it as the fourth quarter. You know, as far as the summer goes, you know, you have June, July, August, first three months, and September is the fourth month. And that's when, uh, you know, you really, really get after it. You, you're back with your teammates. You're back. It's just a different energy, a different excitement, you know, knowing that the season is upon us. And uh, it's nothing like it. That feeling is it's always exciting. And I suppose now you're settled here in the Twin Cities. So, I mean, you're around a lot of your teammates right now. Yes, definitely. And it's, it's good to be around them, working with them. Uh, just be on the guys. These are the guys you're going to be on a journey with, you know, and you really have to embrace that journey. Uh, you're going to see these guys soon enough more than you see your own family. So, you know, it's good to be able to, to work together, to grind together, to put all that, that energy and everything toward the same common direction. Your decision to sign here, I mean, just talking to your teammates the last couple months, now being around the guys recently, just just affirm your decision that you made the right call. I mean, you had multiple options that you made the right call to be here in Minnesota. Absolutely. It really did. And, and with Tibbs and Rick Brunson and Noah and uh, just all the guys, you know, and just everybody, the city, the city itself has been unbelievable. Just going, even if I'm going to a Target, let's say, you know, seeing people and their energy and how welcoming they are. You know, our, our fans are terrific, and I think we'll give them a lot to cheer about this year. So I'm excited for them to see our team once we hit the floor. People are starting to recognize you already? Yeah, a little bit. I usually blend in you know, pretty much, but you don't see me on much commercials or things of that nature, but I've, I've been blessed to play on some big stages in the playoffs. Uh, I've been blessed to play in some really big markets and have fan bases. And, and this town itself is a really a sports town. You know, you can tell by the energy with everybody here, you know, so I'm excited for them and I'm excited for our team. You should be at Monday Night Football next Monday, Viking Saints. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard about that one. I heard about that one. I'm a big Seahawks fan, but I guess I have to adopt. Uh, the Vikings as my second team for sure, you know, and, and really taking the culture of how they do things out here. I like your chances. If you want tickets, it's not an easy ticket to get, but I like your chances. If you want Viking Saints tickets, I bet you can get them. I like my chances too. I really, really do. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to anybody yet, but uh, I can probably make a couple calls and probably pull something off. But I may have the best seat in the house and just watch it on TV. Anything about Tibbs surprise you as you've gotten to know him the last couple months? Uh, just his sense of humor. You know, obviously mm. he's very, very, very serious about basketball, very passionate about it. So when I say sense of humor, I mean kind of away from the court. You know, when we're just talking or, you know, talking about anything, 
uh, even basketball related, you know, when it's not pertaining to us. But just his his sense of humor has really been good, and I think a lot of people wouldn't know that. No, I mean, even somebody who covers you guys pretty regularly, no, I really don't see that all that often. I mean, I wonder if it would make some sense, Jamal. I mean, maybe you can encourage him, whether it's fans, media, everybody, to endear himself. Let's see some of that personality. I'd love to see it from Tibbs. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know how things evolve and how things go. Obviously, Tibbs has uh, he wears a heavy hat with everything he's doing. And uh, he, he wants us to reach our, you know, our potential in the next level. So he's really serious about that. But maybe we'll give the crack a couple smiles or two. Are you curious to see what roster moves Tibbs makes here in the coming weeks? I mean, obviously you guys need to sign a few players here. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be interesting. But as you, as you see, he's done an excellent job putting the team together so far. So I have the utmost confidence in him, uh, knowing that he obviously has the team's best interest at heart. But he'll, he'll put guys together who really fit together. And I'm excited about that. Are you one to look at like the Vegas over under of forty seven and a half or forty eight and a half or the or the Vegas odds? You guys are like top five, top six in the NBA for for winning it all. Do you pay attention to that sort of thing? No, not really. Honestly, I really don't. Uh, there's certain things I do pay attention to, but that's not really one of them. You know, with with that stuff, it can change so fast. You win, you know, six, seven, eight games in a row, and you're like, oh, these guys are title contenders. And if you lose three or four in a row, it's like, hey. You know, the sky is falling. So I really don't get too much into it. Obviously, with social media, you hear things a lot faster, and you're kind of uh, seeing just about everything. It's a lot of information, but you just can't let your highs get too high or low too low either way. What are some of the things you do pay attention to then? Uh, my team, uh, yeah. you know, and just guys I'm, I'm working with now and, and what we're doing. You know, I feel like if we do what we're supposed to, I'm not really too concerned with what everybody else is doing because they're, they're, their goal should be themselves as well, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of good teams in the NBA, and we're all fighting for the same thing. Do you have a sense, Jamal, on how your role will evolve? I mean, are you the first shooter off the bench? I mean, will it be comparable to, to how Doc used you in Los Angeles? Uh, I haven't thought about it much, to, but to be honest, I would think um, the roles are similar. I don't know if I'm the first guy off the bench or you know, the fourth guy off the bench. just probably depending on however his wants to go. But I think you know, he wants me to be an aggressive scorer off the bench, an aggressive playmaker and not just scoring, making plays, and whatever the game calls for. But I'm sure I have a similar role as I've had, you know, the last seven, eight years. You've been around some physical freaking natures. I mean, Blake Griffin comes to mind. But where where does Jimmy Butler rank? I mean, it looks like he's got like 3% body fat. He's he's Hercules. Yeah, he is Hercules. He, he really, really is. And uh, he's as strong as an ox. He, but he, he gets up off the floor. Um, he's, he's unbelievable. He really is. And he, he's always working always working on his game, always working uh, to be a better player, always working to be a guy who can uh, give his teammates advice. You know, and he's played for Tips, so he has that experience, that knowledge. And he's just always, he's a workhorse. He really, really is. When you, you have, you know, one of the best players in the league working like that, I think it just lifts everybody's game and lifts everybody's spirits up. I mean, I would think that includes Cat. I mean, Cat already has a really good work ethic, but to have him around Butler, around you, that can only be a good thing, I would imagine. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think when putting these guys together and putting everybody together, it wasn't just about talent. I think a lot of it was character and knowing who guys are, what they're really about, you know, and, and that's why uh, with all of the new guys coming here, uh, we all have the respect for Tibbs and for uh, the city and the team that was here and for each other, you know, so we'll all hold each other accountable. We'll all be pulling the same direction. Uh, it won't just be, you know, one guy's night every night. Obviously, we know who we're playing through and what we're looking for. Uh, but other than that, you know, we're just planning to win that night because when Minnesota wins, we all win. You ever been to China? I've been twice in the last five years. Oh, wow. With the Clippers. So, yeah, so this is my third time in six years. All right. So, like, you're a, you're a seasoned vet. I mean, you'll know all the restaurants to go to. You'll you'll pretty much play tour guide, I would think. <laughs> in some ways. In some ways. Uh, when we, we were over there before, they really had our meals set up at the hotel for the most part. And you're kind of on the run because you're doing a lot of stuff with with, uh, you know, global games and things of that nature, a lot of clinics and things like that. So most of the meals were at our, at our hotel, but uh, we still got to sightsee a little bit, but it's always always good times over there. I mean, from a team bonding standpoint, though, I mean, you'll be around the guys so much when you guys go over there for forever long. It is a week or two, and you play the two exhibition games against the Warriors. I mean, I would think that should set up you guys with all these new guys around, Jamal, including you. I would think from a team bonding standpoint, that should feed well into the into the regular season. Yeah, I think it's terrific. It really is because you get a chance to know a person away from the game. 
you know, obviously when you're in the States, you get a chance to be practice and you travel and things of that nature. But when you go out of the country, it's just really you guys, you know, for a week straight, basically. And, you know, you're, you're learning things about each other. You're, you're just really, really getting to know each other. And if you care about somebody off the court, you'll run through a wall for them on the court. So I think that's a nice, a nice change up for it. Have you seen the schedule? I mean, you guys start in San Antonio, then you get Ricky Rubio and the Jazz. Boom, boom. Right, right from the start. Obviously, you know, it's the NBA is the best players in the world, so uh, there won't be any nights off. But uh, starting there with a, a staple like the Spurs, who I've always said has been the gold standard of the league uh, for, you know, 15, 20 years is, is a great, great way to start. I mean, it gets no better than that. So it'll be a fun way to start the season. I'll leave you with this. Is is there anything after how many years now? 17, 18 years? I am one of my 18th, yeah. All right, so year 18. Are there still things you work on in the off season, or is it more about just fine-tuning what you already do? No, it's both. It's both. I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm just stagnant and just working on the same things. I think that's what's terrific about the game is you can continue to get better. You know, there's been very, very few guys who have ever mastered the game. You know, Michael Jordan obviously being the first one that sticks out in my mind, but you know, up until that point, you just keep shooting for something, keep striving for something, keep evolving. You know, you never know uh, what happens in the course of a season. So you have to prepare yourself for anything, not just things you're good at, but things you're not good at as well, just to be a complete player. So, yeah, you continue to, to fall in love with the process of getting better and, and see the joys in that. So, no, I'm always working. Jamal, well-spoken as always. We in the media here in the Twin Cities are very, very glad that you're here in town. No, I'm glad to be here. and Thank you, guys. Excited about it. It'll be fun. Thanks, Jamal. All right, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. We'll get to some Wolves notes, but first, another sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. We welcome aboard Running Tap. Running-tap.com. There's a local startup out there that delivers beer directly from tap rooms to people. Think about it. You're having a football party on a Saturday, right? A college football party or whatever it might be. Maybe an NBA opening night party coming up on October 17th, or I guess the 18th for the Wolves. Some teams open up on the 17th. And think about it. Maybe you're out of beer. Well, now Running Tap will deliver beer to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around, sometimes upwards of six months, for an IPA that could taste really different than it was intended to by the brewer. Also, there's over 150 breweries in the state now, and many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff But 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars. Well, now they can get to you, though, thanks to Running Tap. And, of course, Running Tap delivers on Sundays. They don't mark up prices. So I'm telling you, whatever your favorite local brew is, Running Tap will deliver that brew right to you. For more information, you have to check out their website, running-tap.com. Again, running-tap.com, Running Tap. They will take good care of you. All right, on the Wolves, as I hinted to on Twitter, D Wolves on KSTP over the weekend, the Wolves have a number of free agents in town for workouts this week. Now, they still have offers out to Shabazz Muhammad and Dante Cunningham. Other guys like Monte Ellis, Tony Allen, those guys are not working out. Aaron Brooks, I still say Aaron Brooks is a name to watch. Those guys are not coming in to work out. But other guys, guys like Thomas Robinson, John Jenkins, how about Isaiah Cannon? What about Anthony Morrow? Those guys are in town this week working out for the Wolves, hoping to gain one of those last roster spots. The Wolves are still looking for a point guard plus two wings. So if they could get Shabazz Muhammad and Dante Cunningham to say yes, hey, problem solved for the most part. But until there's evidence that those guys would say yes, right now they won't. Dante Cunningham has turned down the Celtics. Well, they inquired at least. I know the Bucks recently inquired on Dante Cunningham. He did turn down the Toronto Raptors, I'm told. New Orleans is still after Dante. They want Dante back. They've created a little bit more cap space, but they're slow playing that situation. But Dante Cunningham has some options. Does he really want to come back to Minnesota? He has some interest. And would he take the veteran minimum? Maybe in a week or two, but he's still in no rush to take the veteran minimum. Maybe New Orleans offers more than the veteran minimum. They can right now. Then you look at Shabazz Muhammad going through an agent change, letting go of Rich Paul, verbalizes an agreement with Ron Shade of Octagon, then backs out. So Ron Shade of Octagon is not representing Shabazz Muhammad. I'm told Shabazz's dad is now involved. His AAU coach is helping out in some form or fashion. Shabazz has a decision to make, but Shabazz at this point is looking at a one-year deal where he can play the most amount of minutes, then re-enter the free agent market one year from now. Would he get the most minutes here? 
That remains to be seen. Yeah, the Wolves can sell him on regaining his bird rights, but the bird rights don't mean a whole lot if he doesn't play that much this upcoming year. So Shabazz Muhammad is looking for minutes. So the Wolves at this point are saying, okay, maybe we won't get Dante. Maybe we won't get Shabazz. Let's bring in all these guys for some workouts. They did it last year as well. So it's not a surprise that they've brought in some guys. So again, Jenkins, Cannon, Morrow, Robinson, Allen Anderson is another name since he's in town. You know, so those are some of the guys the Wolves are taking a look at this week and into next. There is a chance some other guys come into town next week. A reminder, the Wolves' new jerseys go on sale later this month, the 29th. Look for the Wolves' third jersey, not their fourth, but just their third, to be unveiled before those jerseys go on sale at the end of the month. Picking up an edit point right here because we'll talk to Thad Levine picking up an edit point after the Twins game on Wednesday afternoon. But I can add, as I did on Twitter, D. Wolfs on KSTP, that Jerome Randall plus Watertown's own Matt Janning also worked out for the Timberwolves this week. Plus, according to Basketball Insiders, Perry Jones was in town, as was Trey Burke. I think I mentioned all the other names, but I'll credit Basketball Insiders for those two names, Perry Jones plus Trey Burke. And again, I can add Matt Janning of Watertown plus Jerome Randall. We'll get to some Vikings plus Gophers football notes in a bit, but let's shift to the Twins. Let's start with Thad Levine, Twins general manager. I should pretty much make him the co-host of the Scoop podcast. He's always so generous with his time. I think he's a brilliant conversationalist, so I love having him on. Plus, the Twins are so relevant right now. As of Wednesday late afternoon, tied for the second wild card as the Angels and A's are in progress. It's possible if the A's win that game, the Twins are a half game up. They still have 10 games remaining against the Tigers and Padres, so certainly the Twins' schedule is favorable. So let's catch up with Thad Levine on many things Twins. Thad, I mean, I don't want to get too specific about Wednesday's game since this podcast, you know, in theory has, you know, at least a few days of, of lasting power, if not beyond that. But but again, your club is as resilient as any club as I can remember. I mean, even within the context of Wednesday's game, you get a lead, you get down, you come back, you ultimately find a way to win. You salvage a game in that Tampa series. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, all the Texas teams that you were around, you ever seen a team that's this resilient? You know, I, I just think it's remarkable to watch this team play throughout the course of the year. There have been plenty of ebbs and flows, but just when it seems as if somebody's about to count us out is when we kind of rebound and resurge. So I give these guys a ton of credit, and I think it starts in the dugout with, with the manager, the whole coaching staff, the veteran leadership of the team. Uh, but you look at the, the lineup that we, we sent out there today. It was a creative lineup by Paul, put a, put a lot of switch hitters in the game, a lot of guys with some versatile offensive skills. And uh, the comeback kind of started with the bottom of the order, then bled through the middle of the order, and by the end of the night, almost everyone had contributed to this game, and I think that's just uh, endemic of how we've won games this year. It's not necessarily been any one guy, and if it is, it's not the same guy every night. It, it's usually groupings of guys, and once they start hitting, it's pretty infectious. I would have liked to have seen Mitch Garver in today's lineup, not necessarily Kenny Vargas. You know, I think Paul has done a masterful job, uh, you know, even more accentuated in, in September here, managing uh, the, the roster as it has expanded. He's, he's done a very good job of getting position players in. I can tell you, I think he looks at every series as a whole and then individual games within that series to determine uh, what are the best matchups for each guy. So I have a, a lot of faith that he felt that Vargas was a good matchup today, uh, whereas he used Garver earlier in the series. Uh, I think he's doing a good job balancing all those guys, but I think it's done with a, a thoughtful purpose uh, he consults with his coaches it's part of the advanced scouting process as he enters a, a, a series where he kind of lines up a variety of different lineups that he can use throughout the course of this series uh, so a lot of thought goes into that and i'm confident that they're, they're pulling the right string when you say a lot of thought how involved are you how involved is derek when it comes to lineup construction uh, we get an email every day from our pr department letting us know what the lineup's going to be for that day both <laughs> both for the opposition and for the Minnesota Twins. So, uh, you know, from time to time, Paul has had uh, bigger picture conversations with us, uh, you know, from time to time when we've had players come up that maybe he's a little less familiar with. He gets on the phone with Mike Quaddy, our AAA manager, understands how he utilized him down there, or we're communicating or Brad Stiles communicating how the player was utilized uh, in different roles. But outside of that, by and large, 
we are not really participating in that process. The people who do, I think, are his coaching staff. Uh, Jeremy Hefner, from the advanced scouting standpoint, as well, participates in that. Uh, so I think Paul's tapping into a lot of resources. Ultimately, he's inking the lineup uh, day in and day out. But uh, by and large, Derek and I have been pretty superficially involved. On Jeremy Hefner, I mean, it's not like he gets a lot of pub. I mean, the name is familiar, but it's not like he's getting a lot of pub locally. But is he a key part of, of what you guys do on a day-to-day basis? It's, it's a pretty significant investment that we've made in our advanced scouting process. You know, the, it started with the, the talent acquisition of Jeff Pickler, who's ostensibly managing our outfielders, but also uh, he is responsible for coordinated all the advanced information effectively trying to put it from a two-dimensional piece of paper into action in, in the course of the game. Uh, and so he was the one who identified Jeremy Hefner, a former major league pitcher, and uh, we kind of heavily recruited him. I, I think we, we, we built it as we were interviewing him, but I think we were actually recruiting him to join us, and he's been instrumental to the advanced process this year and, and really providing yet another layer of resource for our coaching staff and the decisions that are made within the game and, and, and planning for each series. On Molly, Thad doing such a good job managing, especially the expanded roster, is there a chance the roster will expand even more, or are you guys done at this point? Well, you know, I think we're always open to the conversation. We, we had the AAA team go right down to the wire. Chattanooga is still fighting in the playoffs. Uh, and so I think when the playoffs end, you know, we could see another name or two, but Right now, I think we're pretty stabilized with the roster. Uh, in conversation, I would say, in consideration for some of the guys who have had great seasons, some still sitting on that double-A roster, and we will see. But we are looking forward to uh, Mejia joining us shortly. He's going he's gonna to get at least one more outing. He's going to pitch down uh, in Chattanooga. He's going to start one of the playoff games to continue to stretch him out and, and, and give him a chance to come back up with no real pitch limits when he does. Uh, but beyond that, conversations will be had, but we're going to let these guys get through the playoffs at this point. Tell me if this makes sense. You guys skip a spot. I guess you have the off day Monday, so there's no reason to use Sleggers again in the rotation and then have Mejia take Sleggers' spot the next time around. You know, I, I leave that up to, to Paul and Neil Allen as to how, how they want to handle that. You know, I think the conversation this time of year is always the balance between is this the time to put the, the foot down on the gas and go with your best options, and so by so doing, maybe you, you do skip the spot in the rotation, or is this the time that Neil feels it's a perfect time to give everybody the extended day, uh, and so the whole staff benefits from, from the Monday day off? That's going to be up to them and their, their decision-making, but with Sleggers and Mejia factoring back in, we have six starters at least for five spots, so how they feel the best way to mix and match with that group, uh, we will certainly be supportive of that. Do you have a guy like Jake Reed? Okay, so his season is done, and I get it. He's not in the 40, man, but you could always create a spot. Do you have him throw on the side? Like, if you need him in a week or two, you know, how do you handle that? Or do you tell Jake, okay, you're not in consideration, you won't be coming up, go ahead and shut down for the season? Well, you know, that's a, it's a great point, and it's something uh, fans should be aware of. Is typically what you're doing this time of year, if you're still vying for a playoff a spot, is you have a secondary group of players who may be didn't get the call up, but you want to keep active. We have the benefit of having our double A team in the playoffs. We were aspirational that we'd have our triple A team there as well, because between those two teams, you certainly would have ample opportunity to keep a bunch of people active on the plate appearance and in the pitch side. Absent of that, I think we rely on our double A team being in the playoffs. And what you would normally do, but we can't do right now, is you would have some guys go down to Fort Myers and, and stay active. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Hurricane Irma uh, looming, we're evacuating that area. So uh, you may see some guys show up there once uh, the, the storm rolls through and everything gets stabilized down there. But that would be a, a venue you would normally send some guys down to just to, to keep active, such such as the cases if the call was made and we needed them, we needed the next line of defense, uh, they would be fresh and ready to go. So on Jake, will you send him to Chattanooga then? No, I think in this case we, we, we are not, because uh, I think there's also a little bit of a balance of the team's done so well down there that you don't want to displace their entire roster. Mm-hmm. We are, we are going to take over a few spots. Dietrich Enns is joining the team. Adalberto, he is joining the team for right now. The reality is guys like uh, Jake Reed and Alex Wimmers pitch so much down the stretch that we feel like even with a below right now, they still could be called upon and, and, and be engaged and be fresh. So those relief arms, I don't think we're as 
sensitive to having pitch in the immediate term. If it stretches out too much further, I'm sure we're going to have their, those guys keep their arms loose just in case the call is made. On Hurricane Irma, I mean, what sort of challenges are there on your end to evacuate everybody? I mean, that is a lot of people, isn't it? It's been the primary focus really here in our offices for over the last 48 hours. Uh, Amanda Daly and Kate Townley, who, who work in our baseball operations groups, have been instrumental in coordinating with our facilities, both in the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and in Fort Myers, to try to get everybody as we as best we can out of harm's way. Uh, challenges are, 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 are really present there because in both those cities, it, the, the flights out of those cities are, are really difficult right now. So we're trying to do the best we can. We're actually taking... Uh, our Fort Myers team, the people who don't have flight homes, we're going we're gonna to put them on a bus and get them up to Atlanta, hopefully getting them out of harm's way post-playoff as the Florida State League is actually uh, terminating their championship round. So after today, the, the season will be over whether or not we win or lose. Uh, so we're going to try to get those guys out of harm's way. And then you know, one of the blessings of having the new academy in the Dominican Republic is we do feel it's more safe, it's more fortified than our previous uh, establishment down there. So we've not only tried to batten down the hatches there with the players who are staying there, but we've invited all the players who are in the Dominican Republic, all the staff members who live there. And if they feel it's safer to be in the complex than be in their home, we've invited them and their families to come join us there. That's fantastic. Do you have anybody on the ground in Puerto Rico? We do. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, these, these are the things that fans probably don't realize, but uh, you know, you look at these players as superhuman in a lot of regards in practice. They're superhuman at one thing, and that's baseball. And then they, they have all the same challenges the rest of us have. And, you know, if you just look at our major league team, you've got Burrios, you've got Rosario, you've got Vargas, mm-hmm. three, three players uh, prominent on our club who have family and loved ones in Puerto Rico who are going to be in harm's way here in, in a number of hours. And I think that was very much weighing on all three of those guys' minds today. Uh, quite frankly, may have influenced a little bit of Paul's decision whether or not to start some of those guys, ultimately out of kind of respect for what was weighing on their minds. On the wild card chase, I mean, right now we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Like, do you have the Angels A's game on in your office? Are you constantly looking at, you know, how the Angels are doing? Did you stay up late last night to see, you know, Manny Machado hit the walk-off against the Yankees? I mean, how much are you watching these other teams? Uh, Chad Pinder just got a hit to left field in the Anaheim <laughs> game, uh, and they just scored a run at the plate. They're up 2 nothing. I don't know if that answers your question in any way, shape, or form. This is, it's a glorious time of year. I mean, keep, keep in mind that the very heart of things, um, myself, Derek, uh, uh, Paul Molitor, you name it, all the way up the wire, like, we're, we're fans. And this, this is the time of year that you get to be an executive and you get to be a fan. And it's, it's no better exhilaration than to scoreboard watch in September. And, you know, I think at some fundamental level, Derek and I talked about it in our, some of our caravan stops a long time ago now, it feels like, about how if, if we could provide anything, it would be the fact that we could be playing meaningful games in, in the month of September. And we're in the month of September, albeit the first week. Uh, but we're playing meaningful games, and that leads you to uh, not only watching your game actively, but you got the phone open to the MLB app and you may be watching another game pitch by pitch, or you're certainly monitoring the scores uh, throughout the course of the evening. And, and the beauty of the American League wildcard right now is almost every game has some form of playoff implication. And so it's, it's a great time of year watching a ton of baseball, mostly Minnesota Twins, but a pretty uh, good smattering of, of the rest of the league at this point. So do you have, like, the man cave? Like, late last night, I mean, by the time that Yankees-Orioles game ended after a lengthy rain delay, it was, you know, well past midnight. I mean, I'm assuming the family's sleeping. Like, do you have to keep quiet? Are you like, holy bleep, I can't believe Batances just gave up that home run to Machado? Uh, I, have, uh, I haven't put it past myself to be sitting in a different room on an iPad with earphones in just to try to keep the volume down. And I, uh, you know, certainly wake up in the middle of the night. First thing I do is turn the phone on, see, see how some of the West Coast games, to the extent I wasn't able to stay up, or if any teams on the East Coast go 19 innings or something like that, you got to get the, the mid-evening uh, siesta out of the way and, and you, you check in on those games. And certainly the first thing when you, when you wake up, you turn on the phone to see if there was any residual injuries or news that came out of the previous night that wasn't reported last night. But it's, it's almost a 24-hour news cycle now. For us, where uh, every minute of the day you're trying to stay connected some way, shape, or form. I mean, I suppose there is no escape. I mean, when you have the title of general manager, 
you're on the clock 24-7. And I think that's the beauty of the job. You know, I think that's, that's what we love. Uh, I think we've all done in the industry and certainly with the Minnesota Twins, I think we're trying to do a little bit of a better job of balancing the work and the home front. So I think we're cognizant of the fact that you are 24-7 and you can have your phone with you at all times, but that doesn't preclude you from uh, enjoying a, a, you know, a daughter's soccer game or a son's t-ball game or whatever may be happening or, or dinner with the family. So, you know, I think all of those things are really enjoyable uh, because you're always not too far away from the phone and uh, the Oakland Athletics just scored another run. So this, this has been a, a, a glorious interview so far. Fantastic. Miguel Sano, did he ramp up some activities today? You know, Miguel Sano is is been improving slowly, I would say. We're, we're you know, we're guardedly optimistic, but we're also, you know, this is where you, we have to balance kind of the short-term goals of the organization with the long-term goals of the organization and the safety of our players I can't tell you how impressed I have been by our offense as a collective uh, to the extent they've risen to the occasion in the absence of what had been our most uh, you know, dynamic hitter. Uh, but he is a guy that if we could drop back into this lineup, I think it would really just buoy us through the, the rest of the season. In the meantime, we're going to go out there with the crew we've got. Uh, with kind of the next man up mentality that, that Paul, I think, has propagated throughout the course of the season. Uh, and we're going to try to beat teams. Uh, if we can get Miguel back, I think all the better for it. Uh, we know we would be better with him. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I think, you know, similar to how the bullpen has kind of responded without Brandon Kinsler anchoring the back end, uh, these guys have all risen to the occasion. And I think that's the mark of a, of a, a tremendous team. Better chance Miguel is back for the Yankee series September 18th to the 20th or out for the year? I, I'm a man who is always glass half full, so I'm going to say that I hope he has got a chance to be back because I think the, the thing that we are working with Dave Krumer on right now, our, our head trainer, is give us kind of a prognosis of what would it look like for him to be back as a pinch hitter versus a DH versus an everyday third baseman. And so we're trying to come up with plans that at least he can achieve the, the first track, the pinch hitting track, ideally at least the second, and then dream scenario would be the third. So I think the, the prospect of him coming back in some capacity is real. Nice. Uh, I don't know that he has to come back as an everyday third baseman to impact our team. I, I think that's the best case scenario, but I certainly think he positively impacts us in the other two veins as well. I mean, the beauty is Escobar's been solid at third base. I mean, if you can just get his bat back, whether it's as a pinch hitter or more ideally DH, that would be fantastic. I uh, totally agree. I think I think Eduardo Escobar has been an unsung hero of this team. Uh, he's really stepped up in Miguel's absence. I mean, I think Adrianza has also done extremely well, but when been called to, into action in the infield. So uh, the people who have garnered Miguel's at-bats, uh, while maybe not quite as formidable presence at, at the plate, I think the results have been significant, uh, and they certainly have had a ton of big at-bats uh, in, in really key situations, uh, today included. Hector Santiago, any chance that he comes back? Uh, Hector is, is a guy who's fighting. You know, th This is a, a pitcher who has been a premium competitor throughout his career, really has not spent almost any time on the disabled list, uh, we're still working with our medical staff to try to get our hands fully wrapped around uh, what he is up against right now. I think when we have a better handle of that, we'll have a better prognosis of the extent to which he can contribute for the rest of the season. I mean, I suppose the clock is running out, though, right? Well, well, it is. You know, the, we we've got uh, we've got a finite number of games left, uh, so I think at this point you've got to look at things and say we're going to to war with the players we have. Uh, if that changes in any way, shape, or form, all the better, because we can only get better from it. Uh, but I think you have to have the attitude day in and day out at this point in the year, uh, fellas, we're the ones in the trenches together. Let's get it done. I'll leave you after two more talking points. Free agency. Like, Do you guys have a constant database that you're adding to throughout the year? Do you ramp up efforts when it comes to you know, pending free agents, maybe some potential guys that you'll chase come November, December, January? Do you have scouts? You know, at some games right now, you know, writing scouting reports on these free agents. How do how do you handle that? Without question, you know, I, I think you're always looking forward. So, as much as we're enjoying the season at hand, uh, our responsibilities extend beyond just the 2017 season. So, 
we, we have sat down with our, our senior talent evaluators, Mike Radcliffe, Vern Follow, and the like, uh, and we've identified what we think are some target players uh, who will be in the upcoming Frazier market. We're making sure we get late-season looks at those guys. Uh, and that, that process actually started a little while ago. A layer on top of that is we're very cognizant of the teams who have expressed the, the most prominent interest in some of our players. Uh, we have then seen which of those teams have matches in their farm systems that we find attractive. We, we've tried to get late-season looks on those players as well. So we've tried to get a proactive approach to both the free agent market as well as the trade market uh, just so that we can make even more informed decisions come season's end. Now, I'll leave you with this. I was talking to Mark Janowski, who's in your radio department a couple weeks ago. He said, you guys made a new analytics hire, I guess going back a number of weeks. This person was on the Twins Radio Network a number of weeks ago. Mark was really impressed by this individual. Who is this person? I guess this person has an NFL background. So we hired Daniel Adler. Daniel Adler comes to us. Uh, He just graduated with a a JD and an MBA. Uh, But prior to that, he was working with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he also has had some experience working with the Cleveland Browns and uh, did some work with Major League Baseball at 245 Park Avenue in New York City. Uh, but I think what drew us to, to Daniel was, was kind of an intellectual curiosity and a, just his teamwork approach. Uh, he was one of the first, if not the first, persons to start an analytics department in an NFL team with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so he has some experience tangibly running an analytics department. But more than that, uh, we see him as a guy who can join us, can join Rob Anthony and, and Derek Falvey and myself, Mike Radcliffe, in making some senior-level decisions here. And, and also I think this, this speaks to the commitment that Derek and I have to bringing in some in, outside voices and some people with different skill sets. Uh, you know, I think long have we in baseball looked only to people in baseball when we're when we're looking to hire i think we're sorry we're looking outside of the game of baseball cognizant of we have just so much to learn from people who have had success in other industries daniel's an an example of that and a guy that i think we will really grow with and be very very proud to have hired uh, years down the road so will thad then will daniel now add others to to the analytics department will he now hire individuals so, you know, just, just so our fans are aware, I, I think one of the things that I would say objectively was dramatically different than what I was expecting was the sheer strength of, of the analytics department with the Minnesota Twins. When, when I joined the organization, mm-hmm. I think there was some notoriety in the industry that maybe the team was a little bit behind. Yeah, I, I would tell you the talent of the group here existing is, is prominent. And mm-hmm. uh, we're in very good hands. We, we, we have a quartet of of gentlemen working here who are full-time dedicated to it, uh, headed up by Jeremy, Jared, Zane, and Nick, and they're all working with Daniel now. The talent is exceptional, uh, and I think now that uh, they're given a a little bit more freedom and direction, I I think the fruits of their labor will be felt by our uh, major league staff, uh, minor league staff, and, and certainly throughout our scouting platforms. Is it hard to keep up with them on an intellectual level? Oh, I, I don't even try for, for a minute. I, uh, <laughs> these, I, I, you know, I learned from Dan O'Dowd, who I think learned from John Hart, that your hiring strategy should be to hire people smarter than you are. And I can tell you, while I didn't hire all four of those guys, I consider the mission fulfilled. All four of them are smarter than I am. So I, I count myself blessed to get to work with so many people who make me feel intellectually inferior. But I think that means I'm achieving something in this game. It certainly was the the mandate of one of my mentors, Dan O'Dowd. No wonder I'm here at Hubbard Broadcasting now going on to like year eight, going back even a number of years, going on like 15 years total here at Hubbard Broadcasting. Now it all makes sense, Thad. I appreciate that. I can't find exactly. a job. Thad, always appreciate it. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks, Darren. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Bye. See ya. Twins general manager Thad Levine. He is so darn good. I might just have to have him on every single week. Until the twin season is over, heck, then come free agency, he made it sound like they have their eyes on some guys. So, heck, we could have Thad Levine on every single episode. He is that good of a conversationalist. Let's do this. Even though at the beginning I promised Joe Nathan plus Justin Morneau, those interviews have legs for next week. So I'm trying not to make this be a 75- or 80-minute podcast. I have a bunch of Vikings notes, some TV notes. I have some other... I don't know, potpourri of stuff. So let's do this. Let's save Nathan plus Morneau 
for next week or the week after, sometime in the near future. Let me now get to a bunch of notes. But first, let me give some more love to one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. It is Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com. $7 gets you a tour of Vine Park Brewery, plus it gets you a flight or a pint, plus Hagee's Pizza. So $7. See how they make their beer, their wine, their root beer. Then you sit down, enjoy some of that beer, whether it's a pint or you can sample a bunch of their different flavors. Then you get Hagee's Pizza all for $7. Vine Park Brewery is on West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown St. Paul, closer to 35E. They have all sorts of different flavors. They've been around since 1995. You better have a good product if you've been around 22 years. They have lasting power at Vine Park Brewery. They have pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, and wheats. They have the right recipe for you. Vine Park Brewery, again, vinepark.com, or the phone number, 651-228-1355. Please support Vine Park Brewery. All right, a potpourri of notes. Where to begin? Former Gophers quarterback Mitch Leidner this week worked out. Actually, former Vikings quarterback as well. So former Vikings and Gophers quarterback Mitch Leidner, the pride of Lakeville, had tryouts for both the Falcons and Jaguars. No contractual offers extended as of now, but Mitch Leidner making the rounds. Maybe it's inevitable that he lands on somebody's practice squad. Okay, on the Vikings, the question I got the most on social media on Twitter last weekend, D. Wolfs on KSTP was, the Vikings pursue T.J. Ward. Are they after T.J. Ward? As we know, he signed with Tampa. The answer is no. The Vikings never expressed interest in T.J. Ward. The second most popular question I got was, hey, what about Andy Lee, former Pro Bowl punter? He's available. He ended up signing with Arizona. The Vikings never had interest. They are rolling with Ryan Quigley. So no interest in Ward. No interest in Lee. The third most popular question was about the offensive lineman that Cleveland let go. The guard, Greco, John Greco, I believe it's John. Last name is Greco, has starting experience. As of Tuesday, the Vikings had not expressed interest, but as far as I can tell, unless I missed it, but as far as I can tell, he is still available. So as long as he's still available, we'll keep an eye on him. But as of Tuesday, the Vikings had not expressed any interest in John Greco. On Gophers football, as of Wednesday afternoon, signs still point to it being a 9 o'clock kickoff in Corvallis on Saturday night. I'm told to not expect Devers. Tayon Devers, the sophomore defensive end, had three sacks against the Beavers in that season opening win last year. You know, then kind of went quiet, but there is so much potential there. I don't know exactly what's going on. I'll continue to dig on that, but I'm told do not expect him to travel. He's not on the traveling roster. He will not play at Oregon State. I do know his mom is coming to town. Now, she's in the belly of the Hurricane Irma Beast. She's down in Pompano Beach, Florida. So maybe her plans get altered. But as of now, I know Devers' mom is planning to be at the Middle Tennessee State game. So maybe that's a sign that he'll be back on September 16th. For that game, that 2.30 game at TCF Bank Stadium, but I'm just telling you, no on playing against Oregon State. I did hear that Devers had a really good scrimmage. That scrimmage back on August 12th that was closed to the media at TCF Bank Stadium, I hear that Devers played really well. You would think they're very thin along the defensive line that he could help them, but he is being held out by the Gophers coaching staff. I'm told he's also healthy. So I'm told, A, he's healthy, B, don't look for him to play, against Oregon State this weekend. It sure helps to live in the Hopkins School District, or at least be really close to the Hopkins School District, to have Droogie in the Hopkins School District. You hear all the Hopkins scuttlebutt. Joe Hedstrom, center for the Hopkins Royals, had Butler in this week to watch him at an open gym. He recently visited Wisconsin. They've extended an offer. He has a visit to Purdue coming up. The Gophers certainly kept an eye on him all summer, but so far, no steam that the Gophers will extend an offer. It seems like the Gophers are all in on the guard from Indianapolis, Eric Hunter, who will take an official visit to the Gophers campus later this month. We finish with local TV ratings. Twins TV ratings for the month of August. People 25 to 54, a 1.6 rating. One ratings point equals just over 17,000 households. In the demographic of males 25 to 54, now don't call me sexist. The reason I'm going males is advertisers often look at males when it comes to sporting events. Males, the Twins did a 2.6 rating in the month of August. So not bad, but I'm not quite sure a ton of people are on the Twins bandwagon quite yet. Plus, there are just so many games. Maybe those ratings increase as we 
get deeper into September, maybe they make that push for that second wild card or maybe even the first wild card. Vikings-Dolphins, that fourth preseason game, that meaningless preseason game, the Vikings-Dolphins game in total households did a 12.5 rating. It peaked at 15.6 in the first quarter. With adults 25 to 54, it did a 6.2 rating. It peaked at a 7.8. Again, one ratings point equals about 17,400 households. Gophers-Buffalo, the first P.J. Fleck game. Now keep in mind, there were, what, about 38 to 41 to 42,000 people in the stadium. Well, that's like three ratings points. So keep in mind, a lot of people that care about the Gophers were at the game. But those in front of a TV, the ratings were 6.0 with total household 6.0, a peak of 7.5 at 9 o'clock. Then with adults 25 to 54, the rating was 3.3 with a peak of 4.4. So even with the meaningless preseason game, the Vikings, now it helps that they're on conventional TV compared to cable. But more people watched the Vikings game than they did the Gophers game. But again, it's only fair to mention that the Gophers had a number of ratings points at the stadium there watching live. Thank you so much, everyone. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 94. We know that next week, whether it's 95 or 96, depending on if we go one or two, that we'll have Joe Nathan, we'll have Justin Morneau. We'll see what else pops up. Always appreciate you listening. Thanks so much, everyone.